remember, boys and girls, that venereal disease can kill you. Yes, yeah, so be careful when you're choosing your partners. And remember, Wendy says, if it's not clean enough to put in your mouth, don't take it home and sleep with it. Listen, Wendy, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to the sick and wrong. The sick and wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to sick and wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hiya, I'm Kate Rambo. Hi. What's cracking there, Kate Rambo? Uh, Chi Chi has become flea flea. That's what's happened. Oh, Chi Chi has fleas? He had one flea, and in typical like uh, neurotic fashion, I have overreacted. Although I don't think I've overreacted. I think if anything, I've underreacted. And in three weeks, I'm gonna be like eating my words now. Would you get him a flea collar? No, he's a naked boy. He would never wear a collar. But I've, luckily, I had like a food shop coming, so I just went on there and I ordered like some like flea spray for like your couch and your house and shit. And today I just like completely anything that could be stuck in a 40 degree wash done in the, in the washing machine. And then, and plus I love washing stuff anyways. Sometimes I just wash like my clothes for fun. And I, I just do that. It's I just wash my clothes cause it's fun. Did, no, it's um, fun. <laughs> does he scratch? Like, is he obsessively scratching himself? I had noticed that he was scratching a bit more than usual, but I didn't think much of it. But then, like the other night he came in, because he's been carousing outside. It's been killing season. He's been killing two, three animals a night. Sometimes it's birds, and I get very upset with him. But it's been a, he's been bringing me, like, mice. Um, I've had shrews, birds. And That's I thought it could just just been a flea off a mouse he's just killed. That's probably where he's getting it. Or maybe the other yeah. cats he's cavorting about with. I would say, you know, these outside cats. They, yeah, he could come back with kitty AIDS if, you're, if don't you don't play your that. cards right. <laughs> no, they, outside cats can get AIDS. Uh, they can, but I don't think he will. He's a good boy. And he's about to go for all his jabs for moving anyways. Is so. he a top or a bottom? Chi-Chi would be in the middle, I feel. A power he top? Be very or maybe so- a power could- bottom. He's a power bottom if he's in the middle. Yes. He's a power bottom because he gives the power back. Yeah, but maybe he's being, you know, buggered by some other cats that have AIDS and fleas. It, that could be. Well, when I take him to the vets for his injections, they'll tell me if that's true or not. Well, I hope you sort all that out before you introduce him to my bubble boy. And gives him AIDS. Caliban already looks like he has AIDS. He looks like <laughs> Tom Hanks at the end of Philadelphia. You know, my new thing is, I think you suggested it. I don't really need to bathe them as much anymore. I don't really bathe them that much anyway. I only bathe them like maybe once every to, couple right? months. But you know what I do now? Baby wipes. I wipe that bitch down. Yeah, I, I don't understand why you've never done that to people. I never with. thought about it. But now it's like, I'll wipe him down, wipe a shitty asshole. Wipe a, the, he gets a lot of crud on his neck. He gets a dirt neck. He gets a dirt neck, and his ears always look a little dirty. Well, you know what he looks like? He looks like a like if you dropped a mochi on the ground and it just got yeah. like you know stomped on and and covered in dirt. He looks like a dirt mochi. It's so. a shame you can't wash them all the time because I must say the nicest moment I had with Caliban was after we gave him a bath that he detested, but he just felt like velvet. He was so soft and smooth and just I lovely. Think- 
I think you enjoyed it so much because you're a sadist and you loved his screams while he was in the water. I did. You loved I hearing did. his screams. That's I what did. that's what it's I think happened. Payback. But yes, after you bathe him, it's like he's yeah, he's like velvety soft. He's like it's nice, but that only lasts for like a couple of days, and he's dirt neck again, dirt mochi. So I I yeah. bust out my baby wipes now. Put on some uh, some Rick James. Just wipe that bitch down. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in between giving my cat baths, I also uh, have been watching a, a new a newer true crime show on Netflix that uh, we watched when you were here. But then you recommended. You're like, you got to check out the last two episodes because I have a problem. Like, I'm not a good. I'm not good at watching series. I'm just not. I don't binge stuff. I, first of all, I yeah. don't. I don't have enough time to really be able to, to watch like a 10 episode show. Occasionally once a week, twice a week, I'll be able to watch a movie, but I don't have enough time to put towards, towards a, a, a series typically. But anyway, when you were here, we watched that show worst roommate ever on Netflix. It's been out for a while. Yeah. I love the fact it does sound like a millennial named that, you know, they were in the worst ball room and they were ever. like, Oh my God. He was just like, the worst roommate ever you know he like totally tried to murder me <laughs> such so, a millennial title we watched the first episode that was okay i think it was about dorothy puente in sacramento that was fun that was a good yeah. one and the second one was like eh. and then i was at work but the next day you watched the rest of it because it's only like i think it's like five episodes or six episodes but the last two episodes just a two-parter was great it was about the story of a man named jed creek um slash Jameson Bachman, his real name, who is a serial squatter. And I never even really thought about, I, I obviously heard of squatting, but I never really thought about serial squatters before watching that. It does seem to be a very American thing. But the thing I really liked about that episode was not necessarily him. It was the chicks that he squatted with. Well, that like he victimized. All a bit wacky. Yeah, the victims were all just a little bit wacky, but they were tough fucking cookies. Well, I loved, uh, my favorite was the young woman who was the one that was initially interviewed. Uh, she was 31 years old. Her, uh, her name is Alex Miller, and she needed a roommate because, uh, she, you know, she had a, what did she have, like a two-bedroom apartment or something in Philly? I think it was in Philadelphia. Um, and yeah, it was, was she getting divorced or something? Something yeah. like that. And so she lost her roommate or her husband moved out. I think it was, I think actually she had a roommate and her roommate left. And so she couldn't pay the rent. And so she put up an ad on Craigslist. And so this older man arrived who superficially looked perfect. And his name was Jed Creek. He came over to check the place. They totally hit it off. He was a lawyer. He had a dog. He was very clean cut. And, and uh, cats. Yeah. And a cat. But uh, he moved in and she took the money. Everything was fine. But, of course, things went south quickly um, because his name wasn't even Jed Creek. His name was Jameson Bachman, and he was a serial squatter who duped a dozen tenants into letting him live with them, only to eventually force them out of their homes on, like, these arcane legal technicalities. So, this guy knew yeah, squatters' rights, and he knew the laws um, you know, regarding tenancy, and so he knew how to manipulate it. And so in the accounts from the victims, that was the best part of this of this, these two episodes because they had multiple women that were interviewed. Like that one that was that lesbian, that new Krav Maga or something. She was the Yeah, she the was lesbian. The was she in Rockaway Beach or somewhere? She was yeah, my Rockaway favorite. Yeah, Rockaway Beach. Yeah, she was super cool. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. It was the interviews of the women 
that really made these episodes like really stand out. Because, but this yeah, guy was a fucking demonic entity. You know, he would steal their their belongings. He would fill their toilets with cat litter. He would knock down doors, um, all the while keeping himself in the clear legally. And he knew all about how to get free rent. He just refused to pay it, refused to pay any utilities, and there's nothing you could do about it. And I think with Bachman, as opposed to a lot of other serial squatters, I think serial squatters are mostly opportunists who find an opportunity to take advantage of it, manipulate the law. But I think Bachman actually took pleasure in tormenting these victims and taking their home. I think it was like a power dynamic going on there. Yeah. Well, I think that Alex even said that um, his favorite place to be was in the court. In the courtrooms. Yeah. Because he was just there all the fucking time. And like, he like, besides the fact that he was a lawyer. He was but he would also court. threaten these women who were imposing. He was a very imposing figure. Um, and and to, to watch the show. I definitely think you should watch the show. Very entertaining. Just seeing. Um, but the okay. way it all ended was kind of like totally blew me away. And I don't want to ruin it for Wait, you. Wait, I was about to say. I'm not going to ruin gonna it. Spoiler, but don't. Yeah, the way it ended, I was just like, holy shit. This man's a nightmare. Um, but there was a scene in it where the young girl in Philadelphia tried to tried to get him to leave by having this big party and playing like Wu Tang Clan and having everybody over there rap. smoking weed and like blasting music and drinking because I guess he, he was a sober person and um, it made it made me think of my brother because when my brother was here yeah. a couple of weeks ago he was telling me he was telling me about the situation that he was in trying to remove a squatter because I, I, we were talking about that show and he's like oh yeah he's like i just uh you know i just removed a squatter i was like you removed a squatter he's like yeah my friend hired me my brother and i was thinking i was like this is the perfect job for you i mean my it brother is. in a sense is kind of like meth beetlejuice if you think about <laughs> it <laughs> gay meth beetlejuice so <laughs> joffrey 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 <laughs> So his friend, apparently, was this like a guy. He was a regular at his bar or something. An older gay dude who had lived in the same apartment in the in uh, Upper Hate since like 1992. So could you imagine how much money he must be paying in rent? Oh yeah, like three hundred. Like, yeah, like two dollars, four hundred dollars. Two bedroom place. Jeff said he pays like six hundred bucks a month. So anyway, his mom. He's from like somewhere in the East Coast, like North Carolina or something. His mom got cancer. And so he's been traveling back and forth. And a friend of his, this like Asian dude that works a dot-com job or whatever, is like, hey, do you mind if I, you know, crash at your place and I'll look after it while you're not home? Because you're going to be living, you know, and I'll, you can sublet to me or, you know, I'll just, I'll stay there for a bit. And so he was like, all right, cool. And so he, the guy was subletting the place while he was in North Carolina taking care of his mom. Well, it turned out when, you know, the mom died, he moved back. The guy's like, yeah, I'm not leaving. This place is mine now. And he had changed his name, or, or not changed the name, but on some of the utilities, he put his name as well as the, the original own landlord or original uh, tenant. And so he was actually getting utility bills in his name at that property, which now makes it a civil matter. Like he, he is a tenant. Like yeah. he'd have to have him evicted. And so the guy just stopped paying rent and was just living there rent free. And this dude couldn't get him out of his house. So he ended up telling Jeffrey about it. And Jeff's like, you give me 500 bucks. I'll get rid of him. 
<laughs> so, so Jeff basically moved into this guy's apartment. And oh, Jeff would be the worst roommate ever. Unless you're a gay man who likes to smoke meth and play video games, Jeffrey is the worst roommate well, ever. Jeff was inviting all his twink friends over at like 3 a.m. to get high, play video games, watch porn, you know, and hang out. Be loud. Oh, yeah. Be very loud. Jeff's like, oh, yeah, we're just walking around naked. He's like, one thing I, he was like that really pissed him off that we'd all do is just take a shit in the bathroom with the door open while smoking <laughs> meth. <laughs> He's like the guy. He goes, we kept knocking on the guy's door at like four in the morning being like, do you got any Viagra or condoms? <laughs> It's like, <laughs> because we just take turns asking him. He said that uh, they were blasting Madonna and just like the gay house music that Jeff listens to. Like, I mean, if you listen to the early Sick and Wrong episodes, people will remember where Jeff was on. There was a song he used to play all the time in his car that Wackerly used to sing. I wear my men a skirt when I go to work. It's like, this, <laughs> it's like the gayest house song you've ever heard. I want to hear it. And so... Jeff was like, oh, yeah. He's like, dude, we'd be fucking in the kitchen. There'd be like a four-dude orgy going on right in the kitchen. He's like, and uh, we'd eat all the guy's food, wouldn't do any dishes. He's like, I would ash all over the house. He's like, and uh, then he brought, you know, his video games over. And so finally, I guess there was an altercation with the Asian guy that was living there. And the dude, Jeff was trying to get him to, like, attack him. Because if he attacks, assaults Jeffrey, then he could have him, you know, arrested. But the guy finally just just left. He left. He like he couldn't after like four or five nights of it. He just he just left, and so uh, and moved out. And so the dude ended up giving my brother five hundred bucks. And I was like, "This is the perfect job for you." Traveling town to town, with just your little, offering like, his services, meth beetle. Yeah, juice. I mean, get yourself on grinder as soon as you get into town, and just invite them over. And you're just having a party for four or five days. This is totally up history. I think you should put up ads on Craigslist. Like, do you have a squatter? Are you in a, a situation where your a tenant won't pay rent or leave? Hire me. Because I'll come <laughs> here. I'll guarantee to get rid of him in a week. <laughs> so anyway, this, this week on the show, we're going to discuss the art of serial squatting. I got to say I'm impressed by it. I personally would never be able to do it. It's just not in my character. I, I couldn't do it. But I would also never rent out a room to someone who would be capable of being a serial squatter, you know, mainly because I hate having fucking roommates, you know? Needs must sometimes, though. Uh, like, I get, uh, especially like, you know, my, we were saying the fa- my favorite lesbian in Rockaway Beach, was she had to get um, somebody in straight away. And the guy was well, just like, I can give you cash right here, right now, and I'm, I can move in. And she was like, it was it was like heaven sent in that moment. She needed the money to make her mortgage. But so watch sometimes... the show. You'll see there's a lot of red flags there. And I think she was desperate. Well, yeah. And he knew that. And he she was vulnerable. And he, yeah. and he targets people in that situation. Vulnerable women, people. Vulnerable women in that situation. There was no dudes. He wasn't moving into a house in the man. Well, if you see at the end when it, they go through, like, there's a list of people that he moved into. There's a couple of men on that list. They probably oh. were just like, I don't want to be on this show because <laughs> it's embarrassing. Like, yeah. I don't want to relive the trauma. Yeah. But anyway, before we get into serial squatting, let's chat about the people who listen to Sick and Wrong for free every week, but never pay anything to support us on the Sick and Wrong patron. <laughs> <laughs> I call them podcast squatters. The people on the Patreon squat in my heart. <laughs> the, the Podcast squat is in my heart. 
If you support indie podcrafting, all we ask is you uh, sign up for the Sick and Wrong Patreon. Give us a couple bucks. Keep this show going. I mean, it's only $5 a month. You get access to a full second show. Um, this week, we, uh, we talk about all the details of Kate's upcoming uh, interview in London at the U.S. Embassy. Yes. Um, yeah. We talk about the butter bandit who left a glob of butter outside my door to menace me. I, th- I think this was definitely intentional. I think it was a premeditated act. Um, I think it was anti-Semitic too. You're forgetting that. Not surprised about that. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then we also talk about me ruining the surprise party for an autistic guy that I work with. Didn't know. I didn't know it was a surprise party. Okay. Um, and two, macabre. Yeah, yeah. Very macabre uh, news stories about donating your corpse to medical science. You have no control what happens after that point, nor does the family. That's only $5 a month. And you get access to the Sick and Wrong Discord where I don't even want to talk about the depths of depravity that are going on over there. Um, uh, there's, you don't even have to, you know, actually, we're at the point now where you don't even have to sign up for Patreon. I know a lot of people kind of have a bad taste for Patreon. We actually have the show up on Apple Podcasts now. So you can subscribe to Second Show as well as uh, Serial Killer Star Signs. Um, all sorts of bonus content just over on Apple Podcasts. Can I just say, though, Patreon's really easy to, it, like, for the people who are scared to get Patreon, it is actually really easy. You just basically download the app, and then you get the RSS feed, and it comes into your Patreon, it comes into your podcast player. So you, you don't even really have to use Patreon if you don't want to. But we do put up, like, extra bits on the Patreon from time to time. Like, we'll put up videos, and you'll get pictures, and, yeah, the Discord as well, where there's, there's lots of hunks and sexy ladies. On the Discord. Well, I think that's one of the things. I mean, Dean. Apple Podcasts, we just have the show. And you could go right through the, you know, the, the, I, the iTunes app and you can access the second show. But if you're on Patreon, there's a lot of stuff going on Patreon. You get all sorts of uh, bonus videos and things like that. And for a few bucks more, you get the Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is our bonus mini-sode, as well as uh, access to the archives. So there's a lot going on. Patreon.com slash Sick and Wrong. We do appreciate the support. So let me play this quick promo and then... Let's chat about how to get a serial squatter out of your home without having to hire my brother. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. The guy was saying, like, you have people coming and going in your apartment every night, and I can hear it. I can hear everything you say. And Jess was like, what are you talking about? And I guess... Jeffrey said he was taking a shower with a couple guys <laughs> two nights ago. And he was just like, goes to the shower with a couple of my friends. And we're taking a long shower, like, you know, like we do. And he's just like, and the guy, he's like, the guy was really upset because he said the whole basement was being flooded from our shower. And when I told him that, uh, I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He was like, I can hear every word you say. For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. Professional squatters are people who move from one property to the next, taking advantage of uh, landlords and tenant landlords uh, that have vacant properties or rooms, you know, for uh, for rent. So a squatter unlawfully occupies land or property. They get access to and reside in your premises without your permission, 
and without paying rent. Now, squatters have rights, squatters' rights, or they, in legalese, the doctrine of adverse possession. So that allows a squatter to acquire a title to a property by occupying the property for a, a period of time, which varies in different states. I don't know how it is in the UK, but it varies in states. So typically here, it's more than five years, but it's less than 10. Like for example, in California, you know, if you pay property taxes on an abandoned property, like an abandoned building that you unlawfully live in for five years, that property is yours. You can claim it as okay. your own. Um, so squatting, people are like, well, isn't that trespassing? Well, it is a form of trespassing, but it involves yeah. the intention of claiming ownership or permanent residency. So this is the, this is the rub. Here's the issue with squatters. So squatters actually have rights under the eyes of the law, especially in a state like California. So that means you can't just go grab their shit and throw it out on the sidewalk and change your locks. You can't. So if you discover someone you know, staying in your property, not paying rent it, without your consent, you have to go through, you have to legally evict them. You have to go through the legal eviction process to remove them from the premises. It's, it's an ordeal. And in some cases, you know, these squatters pay the property taxes because they're, you know, they're very knowledgeable about tenant law. So they know how to prolong the process and, you know, disturb the process so, so they, can, they can bend it to their own means and, and, and serve their own personal gain. Because these people do this all the time. Like that Jameson Bachman had been in it for what, 14 years? Just moving from property to property, never paying a dime in rent. Oh, yeah. Since he got out of university, he'd been doing it a long time. Mental. So when did squatting start <laughs> and where do they practice it? So squatting, I mean, it's, it's an, I mean, centuries old. You know, in the days of the Wild oh, West. Oh, I think it goes back to caveman. Come on. Are you telling me that a stronger caveman would not have just moved into another cave and been like, my cave now? Well, I mean, you could say that's, yes, you could say that's squatting. But I'm just saying where people are taking over land legally claiming, okay yeah <laughs> claiming property you know law that this is my this is i live here now so in the days of the wild west ranch owners could deal with errant squatters by riding out in a posse and chasing them off their land uh, a lot has definitely changed days. since then i long for it but a lot's changed but now every state has laws exactly. stating a landlord can't use force or the threat of force to uh, disperse squatters from their property instead they have to file the legal paperwork and work through legal channels. Now, the idea of squatting does go back to medieval England and its common law. So the king's courts would rule in favor of individuals who occupied a property without permission, providing that the owner didn't take any action against them within a statute of limitations. So if the owner didn't know that someone was occupying the castle that's been vacant for 20 years, and then all of a sudden was just like, oh, someone's living here now, you got to go. The person been living there for 20 years and maintaining the property, it's theirs. And that, that's kind of the way it worked. And so squatter conflicts would come into play when like peasants seeking escape from like tax burdens would move into the country and then build a house on someone's land and just acquiring the property by assumption, which is very common practice back in medieval England. An ancient Welsh folk tradition states that if a person could build a home on common land in one night, that home's theirs. It was known as a one-night house. So if you oh, could like just kind of build a buffy, it, nearly. well, they have another thing too. It's called one-night sheep. So if you can fuck a sheep 
in one, one night one without night. getting caught. <laughs> All right, here it comes. Yeah, <laughs> the Welsh book. She's blah, blah, blah. Got to take a dig at the Welsh. But there's other variants of the belief that specify that a squatter would need to have a fire burning in the hearth by morning. And then that means that the, the property is theirs. Or they could extend the boundaries of their newly acquired property by throwing an axe from all four corners of the house. I vaguely have heard that before, definitely. That's like one of those old British laws, like you can shoot a Scotsman in Leeds town centre before midday with a bow and arrow, if you see a Scotsman. It's legal. It's like one of them. They just never Yeah, it's one of those old-timey laws, yeah. But is there like adverse possession or squatter's rights in the UK? Yeah, we have squatter's rights here, but like like, they're more weirder than the US, I'll say, but they're similar because if you want to evict your trespasser from like, your squatter from your residence you got to jump through a lot of legal loopholes as well but if you and usually it's you and your mates in britain have been squatting on the property for like a decade then all you have to do is fill in a form you complete a statement of truth they call it and you send your form off to the land registry center which is in gloucester uh for those who don't know but if the og owner has zero ob- um, objections you just wait 65 days for the forms to be processed and then the land or property becomes yours but that rarely if ever happens so so that's like so you just wait 65 days and if the if the owner of the property doesn't object then you get it it's legally yours. yeah but over here right squat we don't have serial squatters i like researched it and i was trying to find a case of just like anyone like uh, jameson backman what but what we do have here is like squatting is very much a political act like when you say the word squatting to me or a squatter i just picture a white man with dreads wearing a poncho he smokes rollies he smokes a metal pipe to smoke weed you know and he's got really baggy cards on like any gutter punks like a hippie gutter punk no but not a gutter punk though because they don't listen to good music it's just oh, yeah. like you know they'll maybe play pan pipes or the didgeridoo that type. So like a hippie. Just like a British, a hippie, right? So yeah, it's usually seen as like a political act. So you have the autonomous nation of an- anarchist libertarians, aka anal. <laughs> They're activists and they had a program to occupy high value and high profile profile buildings in central London. And they were spotlighting what they say is the obscene amount of empty buildings whilst the number of homeless people and needy people in London rises. I mean, they have a point. They have, a, you know what though, the, there are uh, nonprofit groups in Oakland, in the Bay Area in general, but definitely in Oakland, they do the exact same thing. Exact same things. Yeah. I kind of get it. I mean, they're taking a swipe at the haves and the have-nots, but as long as there has been cities, there has been rich and poor. It's like nothing has changed. But this uh, anal gained a bit of fame in their trades in 2017, and they were documented by Vice as well. But as of 2017, you know, all these squatters, they've probably graduated uni. They're either back living with their mums or they're married with a few kids now. They're all working corporate jobs in the city that they hate. And their pasts of being like wannabe revolutionaries are largely as forgotten as the empty white lightning bottles that they had to piss in. Oh, that's, so that's a typical path. Older listeners might remember the name, older British listeners might remember the name Jason Ruddick. He was 22 years old. He was a Latvian. And he gave plenty of good copy for the salacious newspapers. He arrived in Britain, so he said, in 2011, saying that Britain was an easy touch, it's an easy target, 
and he squatted in a property owned by the Republic of Congo in Hampstead Gardens. They were like renovating it and like uh, like the Prince of Congo was going to come and live in it. So Jason is the son of Latvian lawyers and he used their background to evade arrest. Not that the police can really arrest him for anything because it's a civil offense, which is the same as America, isn't it? So it's not like a felony. I was reading, though, as of September 2012, a phone call to the police is sufficient enough to arrest a residential squatter in the UK, though. They still have to go through it. They can't just, like, kick you out. out. So squatter, it's, so it's still America. the bobbies to, can't just drag You have to go through the, the process. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you can't like, attack them and kick them out. You said the bobbies can come. That is the difference. Jason had used a network called the Advisory Service for Squatters, also known as ASS. I do like all how in Britain it's like we're going to make all our acronyms just like ASS. Yeah, why are they all like scatological? Like all the, all the acronyms here. It, it just doesn't, you know, lend much credibility if you think about it. I think it's so like when it's read out on like Channel 4 News. It's just funny. They'll be like, oh, make him say ass on Channel 4 News. Oh, the beep. I think that's pure. Representatives like infantile, from anal. Yeah. <laughs> here with us today in the studio. So ass provides potential. Well, it provided potential smelly squatters with all the information they needed. So they would have like lists of empty properties. They would tell you how to get past legal issues, yeah. how to turn the water and the electrics back on because they would be shut off and just like other useful information you would need for squatting. So he said the mansion that he was currently overtaking the uh, Republic of Congo's embassy in Hampstead Gardens uh, with several others wasn't posh enough for him and he wanted a place that had a swimming pool and a hot shower. We'll never know if he got his dream for squat because he kind of disappeared into the history of the pages of newspapers not long after and I could not find any information about what had happened to him. So I'm assuming that he got a slap on the wrist and was sent back to Latvia. How long did he live there for? Without paying rent? Just a couple of months. Oh, okay. So not, not, not but an he egregious said they've been doing time. it continually. Yeah, no, over here, they don't live in the property for a long, long time. They'll move there and then they'll get swiftly, like, kind of kicked out and then they'll just go and move in another, into another thing. Because, like, serial squatting is a modern crime and it seems really American because over on this side of the pond, the police will come. They're going to hoof you out, but you have yeah. to have the correct paperwork filed. And you can take the, and then take that squatter to car as well. But things are obviously very different in America. Well, they made it a crime there. It's like punishable up to six months in prison, and five five thousand pounds for residential squatting. That's, I think that they would only give you that if you'd have done that repeatedly, like multiple times. But I think if you're twenty in a kind of anarchist group with your mates, they will look fun. They will they, they will take kindly upon they'll you. They'll probably be lenient. like white kids. Yeah, Let's they'll be lenient like in that situation. But so here in the U.S., you know, as bizarre as it sounds, serial squatting is actually quite common. And it's often used by ill-intentioned individuals like Jameson Bachman to take possession of, uh, of properties and, uh, you know, and, and not pay rent on an apartment. Um, so the rightful owner of a property must act within a certain period, which is outlined above, there's outlined state by state, all states, it does differ, um, before adverse possession um, would give legal title to the squatter who then, who's been living in this place illegally. So if a landlord finds out someone's living you know, illegally in a vacant apartment and they want the person out, the landlord could say, 
I never gave you permission to live here. But then the squatter can say, well, actually you did. And so as long as that person claims that they're not a trespasser and that they've been living there and they've been paying utilities or paying property tax, well, then the, the person is a tenant at will, not a, not a okay. trespasser. So now it's turned from a, a criminal to a civil trial because trespassing is illegal and you get arrested for that. But when you're squatting, it's not necessarily illegal. It's, it's more of a civil matter. So this it is seems like a gray area. It is. So this is how they do it. This is how they uh, you're able to live rent free, gain access to a property. So it is, you know, it is a great way to avoid paying rent. And th- I know there's a lot of groups like anal and ass in, uh, in <laughs> Oakland that helps homeless people take advantage of this, like moving into a vacant property. A lot of um, definitely in San Francisco and I believe Oakland, too. You know, a lot of like foreign, you know, people from China own a lot of these properties don't live in the properties and they're just empty buildings yeah it's collateral to them isn't it it's just like they're owning yeah. it for the land yeah they're owning it for the land and they have so much money it doesn't even matter and so i think what happens is like these you know um these nonprofits end up like just moving homeless people in there and they're aware of the law and how it works to, to help these people have a permanent home so that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a way to do it. Now, squatters are routinely evicted. And you have to be, you, you know, you have to be aware of that. Um, they're arrested, harassed. And in some parts of the world, they're even beaten or killed. I imagine it doesn't fly too well in Saudi Arabia to go squat in someone's house. <laughs> um, but few of them do manage to take legal ownership of a place through through adverse possession. So this is how they come to occupy your property. This is how you do it. Here's a squatter's guide. So if you find a vacant property, so if you notice that the home's been vacant for an extended period of time, um, you find this place and you, you haven't seen the landlord, you know, the neighbors aren't, you know, you know, that vigilantly watching it, you know, that's a good place to, to possibly squat in. And you got to be prepared for the long haul because you're not going to be squatting for two months there if you think you're going to take ownership. You know, it's usually it's at least seven years in California. So adverse like the statute limitation for adverse possession in the u.s is anywhere from five to 40 years of continuous and uninterrupted occupation i wonder which state has 40 years i would like to know that i do have a list of states here we'll get to that in a minute so when you first break into this abandoned home you're a trespasser so you're violating the law right there and that's a crime but by remaining on the property and paying property tax or changing utility in your name, now you are asserting that you're a rightful resident, a tenant at will, and now the trespasser becomes a squatter. So that's the first thing you need to do. And you move in there, you need to fix up the place. You got to make it look like you've been living there legally. So, you know, and at that point, a landlord can't just like come out and evict you because now it's, you know, or force you out. Now it's a civil matter. Now you got to go... You know, now you got to go into, you know, get a lawyer, a real estate litigation. Lawyer. Yeah. And litigation to, to remove this person. So one of the things that they say is if you want to be a successful squatter is get a group. So don't try to do it by yourself. Like, like Jameson Bachman was just moving into vulnerable women's apartments. But if you want to take over a building, the best way to go about it is to form a group. And this is mainly because you can't leave the property. Like if you leave the property at any time, during whatever, whatever the statute of limitations is, yeah. the owner, somebody could just go and repossess it. Another squatter can move in. 
So you have to you have to be there. So it's kind of you know you need at least a couple people, especially in a rural area where you have to go get groceries and things like that. So the best way to go about it is build a small community, have a few friends, get a bunch of like those gutter punk hippie hippie type people, and uh, they'll help you defend the property against thieves and other threats, and they'll also you know help you maintain the place. Because I mean, especially if you're moving into a vacant building, I imagine there's a lot of work. It's gonna there. need work. And you don't, and that's the other thing too. You got to choose your squat mates carefully, especially, I mean, these people are already kind of sketchy. So you want to find somebody that you can trust because there's no landlord or like any kind of legal avenues to settle a dispute with your squat mates because you're all there illegally. My first question would be, I would just say, what's your favorite Ramones album? And if anybody said the first album... I'm not having them as a squat mate, and it's that simple. But if well, somebody you said to... Rocket to Russia, I'm like, yes, you can squat with me, in you go, mate. That could work though, because you're compatible. It would work. Like you exactly. want people who That's have what I mean. the same goals, but you also want to make sure you don't have squat mates that are going to like have crazy parties and cause trouble, get into fights with the neighbors, because then you'll definitely lose control of the property. Um, you got to make sure the place is really abandoned. You know, experienced squatters, you know, they check. They check for like publicly owned buildings that, uh, you know, the government repossessed because owners failed to pay their property taxes. And they know the government owns it or a bank owns it, but no one's been living there. And if it's, if it's an abandoned place, you know, where the owner lives in like a foreign country, they're less likely to take any legal action because it's just a pain in the ass. Know. Yeah. So, or if they do know they're too far away to deal with it. Yeah, they're too, they're too far. So one of the things that they do is, you know, you see a, you know, if there's a building that has boarded up windows or like a steel door because it's been sealed, you know, that's a sign that that place is probably vacant and no one's been there for a while, unoccupied. You could probably move in there. You know, um, you know my brother had this uh, twink friend named Kyle who tried to do that in San Francisco. Like he found a, a building in the loin that had been abandoned for like probably like 10 years. And he just moved in there and started living. He changed his, he got utilities turned on. So there's electricity that he was paying. And then he ended up like, I don't know exactly what happened, but the place was, was, you know, abandoned. And I think it was deemed unfit for human living (laughs) because it was like dilapidated. Asbestos. (laughs) I guess he fell through the floor and broke his leg. And, uh, and then did he sue the city? He, he tried to sue the original owner of the property. And since the government repossessed, he tried to sue the city. And uh, yeah, he ended, up, he ended up losing the battle. That reminds me of uh, when my, da- my dad was really young when he first moved to London. He was like uh, 17, uh, hadn't turned 18 yet. Uh, so this was in like the late 60s, early 70s. But what he would do, because he didn't have the money to pay rent, is he would put on his best shirt and his be- and like a nice pair of trousers and he would tie his long hair back and he would go around with an estate agent to view flats and he would always ask for ground floor flats. And whilst he was being shown around, he would jimmy open a window and then after five o'clock he would come back. And he and did that the night there. for like six six seven months he would stay in various flats at night time and he would just you know at five o'clock he would go in and you know before before 8, 8 a.m he would get out it's risky but i mean obviously it works I mean, hey it works and he would also 
Yeah, he also would do the thing where if he saw a building that had boarded up windows, he would just casually walk around, look inside, and he said he slept in sev like several abandoned places. But then, like my dad was very enterprising; he got a job and he could afford flats. Wow, drunk dad was a squatter. Didn't know that. He's technically a squatter when you think about it, and a B and E. Well, one thing when uh, you want to enter those buildings, especially the ones that are boarded up. You don't want to break in or cause any kind of property damage because that could oh, no. affect you trying to claim adverse possession. So they say it's useful to pretend to be looking for a lost cat or have some kind of excuse as to why you're in the building. Yeah, you say, I lost my dog. Yeah. That's good. And you yeah. test the space out. You stay there for a night, see if it's safe, You know, see if it could be a, you know, a habitable area. Find out some, some of these abandoned buildings, they never even shut off the water. So if it has running water... You could just switch the utility to your name really easily. Um, oh, man, I watch a lot of Urbex videos, especially like Canadian ones are like my favorite ones because there's so many abandoned mansions in Toronto. Yeah. Just like there's just like streets of them and they don't turn any fucking thing off. So I mean, yeah, the place has like easily black mold. Move in there. Yeah. <laughs> you could move in there. It's going to kill you, but you can live there. Um, but if you want to use the building as a long term squat, you got to secure the premises. So. You want to make you want to make it obvious that you've taken possession of this building and that you live there. So replace all the broken windows and doors. You know, remove the boards. You know, change the locks on the doors. You know, with your group. So and clean the place up so it looks. You know, get rid of the rats and all the the garbage and make it look like you, this is your home that you've been living in. And if you can get a utility in your name or a property bill, property tax, you're golden because that's totally going to work. The other big thing that you have to factor in here is how to deal with the neighbors, especially if you're living in a home. Because there's a couple schools of thought here. So one, you can be completely inconspicuous and they never see you, so they have no reason to complain. Or you can be buddies with them, befriend them. So there's a couple different routes. Which angle would you go down? I would I would personally go down the befriending angle. angle I think I would do befriending. I always think you cat. Yeah, you always catch more flies with uh, honey than with vinegar. Definitely. I would just go and introduce myself around. Well, the inconspicuous route definitely has its issues because you got to like, you know, you can't really walk around during the day. You know, you yeah, you're going to go creepy crawl at night. You got to go like through the back door. Go only go in at night so people don't even know because you, know, you don't know the relationship with these neighbors with the actual owner of the building because they could clue them in. They could hate them. Yeah. Well, you don't know that either, but you could know that if you befriend them. So if you start, if you're willing to take the risk, if you start hanging out with them, have a barbecue, make it look like, hey, you know, I'm living That's here now. Idea. Have a false story. Say, oh, yeah, it's my uncle that owns the building. We've moved in. I was about to say that. I yeah, was about to say, I mean, just lie and be like, this lie. is my granddad's. I mean, yeah. and that's what you do. And then from there, you know, you just establish legal, legal property rights through adverse possession. If you've lived there for a few years, you know, this foreign owner, the landlord, lives in like, you know, Iran, has probably no idea. So by the time he, he figures it out or learns about it, you've already claimed adverse possession and this place is yours. And now you have this building. You know, Deep, we're moving to a mansion in Toronto. California, you just need to pay property tax for five years. I thought it was seven, but it's five years. And you have to have cultivated or improved the property and then you get ownership. So it's, it's not that long. Now, a couple other avenues that these serial squares take. Jameson Bachman, becoming a legal roommate. So another way you can squat is if there's a roommate or a subtenant who isn't on the rental agreement, 
just refuse to leave. You know, just move in there and the legal tenants can even leave and then the landlord can try to evict you. It's going to take a while because they got to go through the eviction process. But there, there's a way you could do, you know, even in some instance, if you're like my brother's friend who was just out of town for like three weeks, move in, you know, get a bill changed to your name. Now you're now you're a tenant at will. Um, Easy. Yeah. An innocent person can also fall victim to a rental scam with, and, and be squatting without even knowing it. So sometimes uh, con artists advertise a vacant property for rent that yeah. they don't even own. So then they meet the tenant, collect the first month's rent and deposit, turn over the keys and just split. The victims thinks they have a legitimate lease until the real property owner shows up and they're like, what are you doing in my house? This happens all the time yeah. in, in Los Angeles. That's why when you're on Craigslist, when you're on Craigslist, you're looking at this and you're like, that is so fake. Like they, you, those, those like ads for some of these places that look too good to be true. Oh yeah. Cause they're fake, you know? Yeah. Another thing is a new owner. So if your building has new ownership, so if the property changes hands and there's no new lease instated with you as the tenant, you don't have to pay rent. Oh, that's a really good one to know because that happens I, a lot. I didn't know that. Um, I was reading about this guy, Warren Sandwell. Um, his house in Springfield, Missouri changed ownership. He's like, he lived there for four years. He called his landlord to get his broken AC fixed. And the landlord's like, I don't own your house anymore. So it didn't get fixed. And so he waited for three months. And the bank that acquired the house contacted him and said, we're the new owners of the house. You got to start paying rent. And he said, I don't have any kind of lease with you. And if you want rent, you got to fix my AC. Fucking so, Warren, my yeah. hero. <laughs> so then they never served an eviction notice. And so he, did, he lived there for like three years Good before lad. they finally got him out because they sold the place. Good lad. I like Warren. Yeah. But that's the thing. Opportunistic squatters, that's what they are. You know, they look, they scour public records. They look for foreclosures. Um, they look for other signs that a property is distressed or has been abandoned. And then they move in. And they've, they've done this for years. A lot of these people are very experienced. You know? I was going to say, is it not easier to do this in like, especially I'm thinking of like in the Lake District where I live, so many mansions here because it's like a very desirable place to live that, you know, Southerners or out of towners will come up to and maybe stay once or twice a year, but they want this base in the Lake District. Like I'm especially thinking of in Coniston, uh, locals know what I'm talking about. There's this huge hotel that's been abandoned since like the, the 60s. It's gorgeous. And I've always said squatters should take that and just make it their own. So would it not be easier to do in a rural place? Like even Missouri, out in Joplin, Missouri, is it not easier to just go there and be like, this farmhouse is now mine? I think it depends on the statute of limitations for adverse possession. So as we were saying, like it varies between states. And so if you live in Delaware, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Maine, uh, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, you got to be there for 20 years to try to claim ownership. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is that because it happens there all the time because there's so many rural areas? I mean, I just think they just have stricter squatters rights. Um, Fucking hate squatters in there. In Michigan. Delaware, no squatters allowed. Or Minnesota, Oklahoma, Connecticut, Colorado. Kansas, 15 to 20 years. Um, I think it's the rural laws, mate. Well, Alabama, Alaska, Indiana, Nebraska, uh, Mississippi, Oregon, New York, 
uh, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Texas, 10 years. You had to be there a decade living in this property in order to claim ownership. And seven years or less, Arkansas, California, Florida, Montana, Tennessee, and Utah. See, they're all places where you're like, yeah, I could theoretically live there. The rest, you're like, these are all the shit states. That's <laughs> the why shit it's states that you want to live no one, in. <laughs> yeah, no, one's, no one's going to Ohio to claim ownership laws for 20 years. But I feel it would be easier in Ohio. I feel there's probably an abandoned fucking shithole like, house at the side of a road that's been abandoned since the 80s that you could just go into. And I, just, I just think the neighbors would be like... I'm glad you're doing this up. We've been watching it fall into disrepair for a long time. And or like Detroit. Think about Detroit. You know, they'll yeah. go to Detroit. But so the main goal, the reason why squatters' rights even exist, like this whole adverse possession law, is to discourage the use of vigilante justice. Because that's how it was back in the Old right. West. We'll get a posse together. So if landowners were allowed to use violence or the threat of violence to evict a squatter, I mean, that situation is going to escalate and probably become deadly. So... Also, if you just allow landlords and people to do this, it would create this climate of vigilante justice, you know, that would obviously spill into other areas of people's lives and society. So that's why there's squatters' rights. But it makes me wonder, like, okay, so who are you favoring? The criminal or the actual lawful property owner? At the end of the day, though, we are always supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. So, yes, squatting is a fucking very naughty thing to do. But at the same time, if you're going around, you can't be accusing people of it without like a will. Do you know what I mean? I guess that, so you've always got to have your rights. I guess over there you're covered by an amendment as well. You know, in most states, a property that's currently occupied by the owner. So like uh, that woman that lived with Jameson Bachman, that was a little bit different because he was kind of a subtenant and a roommate. But if the, property is occupied by the owner then squatters rights don't apply because the owner doesn't need to go through eviction motions to remove a trespasser and in some states and i think you can probably guess which ones um the use of force to remove trespassers from an owner occupied property is a protected right and they're stand your ground laws so okay those states texas and florida you know in 2015 there was a nevada court decision that set a legal precedence for uh, property owners that are, you're allowed to open fire on squatters. If it is found that you're squatting <laughs> on said property, you even might even face additional criminal charges beyond getting shot. And dying. <laughs> All right. So I, w- I, w- I wonder if there is any like murder cases that have been brought up yet towards the courts in any of those states where somebody has shot somebody and then claimed that the person they shot in their house was squatting. Because couldn't you just do that? I mean, you could. You could I say you're a squatter. I ask them to leave. But there, there's definitely been situations like that. I have a couple that are interesting. An interesting, okay. I would say, twist on the squatter's law laws. But first, I want to go through adverse possession, like how this works. So that's the legal term for squatter's rights. So what you need to do, if the owner in any way said you're allowed to live there, you don't even need to be an adverse possessor. Because, you know, you're, you're, the, the valid owner gave you permission. If you have permission, <gasps> you can live there as long as you want. And if the owner signs a lease and there's a lease, well, then it's actually legal. But if there's no lease, there's no binding lease, you, you can live rent-free. You know what it is? You know what it is? You never invite a vampire in. 
So it is if like a that, vampire yeah. asks to come inside, you just basically say, no, but it's really nice of you to ask. But you a can't. psychic vampire. Yeah, exactly. That's what these people are. So just always, the the lesson I'm learning is, is that you should just be a hermit and never let anyone inside your house. And then when you do open the door, make sure it's on the chain. And then you just take your Uber Eats in through the chain. You never open the door fully. Just never let them what in. I do. So in order for adverse possession to come into law, the unlawful occupant must do this. You got to be hostile. You mean, that means you take over the place or the premises without permission of the owner. Even if the owner is unaware, that, inc- that this includes physical occupation. So you move into that vacant building, like you break in through the window somehow, and the owner has to be unaware that you're living there and that's yours. And you got to be open about it. You know, where anyone looking at the home, your neighbors see that someone is actually living in that vacant building. So you have to be aware. Either befriend them, be inconspicuous, just make it, make it known that you live there. Um, you got to live there uninterrupted for a continuous period of time, as we mentioned before. could be 25 years, but you got to live there. And generally, a squatter must be served with an eviction notice and subject to the eviction process, which can take months to complete. So... All in all, you can move into a place and expect to probably live there almost a year without paying rent if you're willing to deal with this. Um, yeah. If uh, laws in many states also give squatters the right to eventually obtain legal title of property um, by paying the county for property taxes or any other fees with associating the title to the squatter. So landlords, it's in their best interest to act very quickly if there's a squatter. You don't want to like sit there and wait and go through this like legal process. You need to act quickly because there's it. You're on a time limit. You know, like if me you, with fleas. Exactly. If you wait three years, he's only got two years in some states till that place is his. You know, that squatter can legally claim ownership. You know, it, it's it like was some people. If you let one in, they'll be packing in greater numbers. Yeah. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting. Is that, did you ever watch Silicon Valley? No, that was a show that did pass me by, but I heard, I heard it was good. Also like Mad Men. Mad Men oh, Mad, me Mad Men's great. I think Silicon Valley, the first, people might disagree with me, but the first couple seasons were great, but then I, I don't know, I got a little bored. But there was one episode that was, they were talking about how people can live in Silicon Valley, like San Jose and San Francisco without paying any rent. And they basically, they were saying you should be an Airbnb squatter. And it's oh. a thing people do. Uh, you can easily, like being an Airbnb squatter is actually really common in uh, big cities like that. New York and in San Francisco and Chicago. Has that not changed now, though? Because Airbnb has gotten more sophisticated. No. Like you still really? can do this. Yeah, you still can do Seriously? this. Seriously? Okay, so if you, cool. if you rented a place, that's why if, if you Airbnb a place, don't do it for longer than 30 days. But once you do it for longer than 30 days, then the law changes to kind of favor okay. the, the, the tenant who's now claiming they're a tenant at will. So if they decide to stop paying rent, they can announce that, uh, you know, I'm now a legal tenant and it's going to take you like a year to get them evicted. You know, they become a tenant as soon as they move in. If the building is rent controlled, landlords can only evict someone for good cause, which means it's almost impossible to kick the person out. You know, if the if the building's not rent controlled, they have a little more leniency there. But if it's a if you yeah. move into a rent controlled place in Manhattan as an Airbnb and you live there for like two months, 
that place is yours. You can say it's yours and you don't have to pay any rent. Oh man, I bet this happens all the time now. Well, yeah, with people it totally know does. it does. So for example, let's say you're a tenant in a rent control apartment. You go to France for a month and you rent your place out on Airbnb to someone who's going to sublet it. You come back and the guest is like, I'm not going to leave. By renting out your place on Airbnb, you're now a landlord. You've become a landlord by legal definition. And that person is now a tenant <laughs> with tenancy rights. So you rights. can't evict <laughs> them without good cause. You're now a landlord, even though you don't own the building or the apartment. Uh, there's that, a case. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's like a gray area. This feels wrong. It feels wrong, but it depends. I think it largely depends on the state. And you'd think the fir your first instinct would be like, well, I'm going to go you know, call a few of my friends and we're going to go over there and move this person out, you know, physically well, expel this person from the premises. You're breaking the law then. You can be arrested for that. Well, my instinct assault. would be to call my landlord and be like, hey, I'm the one that signed the tenancy with you. So you need to go and get this like interloper out. Well, that's what kind of happened. You remember, I forget which woman in Worst Roommate Ever were Jameson Bachman. I think it was like the second woman that he was kind of dating. Remember that? She yeah, ended up having to move out. She ended up moving out, but then it became the landlord's problem. The problem. I know, and he stole her cats. He's yeah. the one. He stole her cats. So there was a recent case in Palm Springs for these two brothers, the Passionine brothers. They paid for a thirty-day stay at an Airbnb in Palm Springs, and then they just said, "Well, we're not leaving. We're tenants now." And there's a whole legal Amazing. process. It lasted about two months, and then just. They vacated the condo in the middle of the night without paying rent. They paid for like 30 days, but then they lived there for like six months. But would you want the extra anxiety and hassle hanging over your head? I mean, if you have literally, if you have literally no other options in life but to go down this route, then you already have all the anxiety and stress in the world upon your shoulders. So what's a little bit more? But if you're just a normal person who's like, do you know what? I just don't want to pay rent anymore and I just want to get away with it. I just don't think it's worth the hassle, is it? I, I don't shit. think so. And, you know, possible, like, <laughs> like physical violence you know, that could happen, depending on who you're, who you're squatting with. But, you know, the oh, thing is Palm with Springs, Airbnb, would you ever Airbnb your place? I would never do that. Well, I'm already opposed to Airbnb. I've talked about this a lot, a lot. I like hotels. I like hotels because you know that they boil wash their sheets and towels. The rooms are kept clean. And even if there is a dodgy little camera somewhere, it's only going around the hotel staff. In an Airbnb, you don't who know knows? who or what you're getting into or who has slept in that bed and nobody's boil washing the sheets or towels. But it's numbing into me. Do you want someone fucking with your shit? I think most people that do the Airbnbs, though, in like cities like San Francisco and New York, you don't live there. You just bought this condo and yeah. you're just making money off of it. But there's risks involved. You know, people say, you know, you got to go with your gut about who you're going to live there. First of all, don't let someone stay there long in 30 days. But if they have like missing Airbnb profile pictures, that's a red flag. Missing fields in their bio, red flag. Any bad reviews, you definitely want to check out the reviews. Uh, but also if the profile is brand new, created right before the booking, there's a red flag. This is like a bad Tinder. You know, the things to watch out for on Tinder, red flags, all of the above. <laughs> But, the, but that's the whole thing is once that squatter's in your place and they've changed a bill to be in their name, they're paying property tax, you can't just like throw them out violently. Hoist them. 
you got to now go through a peaceful and legal process. So the first thing they say to do to get a squatter out, contact police immediately. As soon as you discover someone living on your property without your consent, call the police, have them make a, you know, a, a police report on it. Um, you can't change your locks or turn off utilities until the remo- removal or the eviction process is completed. So even though the person's still living with you, you can still file the police report, but you can't really do anything. The next step is to file an unlawful detainer action. And that, that varies state by state. And you should, you're going to have to get an attorney for this. So you're going to have to pay money for that. But this action will trigger the process of serving the squatter with a formal eviction notice. And um, you know that's usually given by a local sheriff or a process server like Harrison. Remember we used yeah, to do that? All this litigation his... takes time. And if time you're having to live with them. And then yeah, not only do you have awful. to get the unlawful detainer action, now you got to do the eviction lawsuit itself, which, I mean, you got to file, you got to go in front of a judge. You know, this process can take months. And then finally, once the judge is like, you know, because, you know, squatters tend not to, to fight it. But once the, once the judge rules in your favor, then you can get a local sheriff to legally remove the person from your property. And then you think, oh, I'm going to take all the shit and throw it outside. You can't do that. You can't no, even do that. your shit. Well, no, yeah. because then the person could sue you for damaging That's their item. I mean. Even it's if it's garbage, shit. they can still sue you. So you have to give a written notice before removing any personal possessions from the property. And the court may allow you to post this notice somewhere on the premises because sometimes the, you know, the squatters might be homeless. But once the squatters are removed, you, you, can, you have to like work it out with them. You got to be careful not to damage anything. You got to consult with your lawyer. Squatters can, can claim, and I'm sure they would. I'm sure someone like Jameson Bachman knows you know, the definition of law here, knows how to exploit it. Oh, yeah. And would say, like, that's one of my most valued possessions. That's going to extend the whole legal procedure. Definitely he would have. And I also wouldn't have put it past somebody like him who was a total sociopath to like damage his own property and then say that you did it and you have to now prove in a court of law that you didn't do it. Which he would totally do because that guy was very well aware of how the law works. But I mean, you can twist the law in any ways if you want to start doing stuff like that. And then that just takes time and effort and like going back to court, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So real quick. So anxious. Here's a couple issue squatter squatter crimes that happened um a couple of them are in new york and then one here is in oakland but a california widow is suing the city of oakland this is uh this is earlier this uh this year in april after a squatter killed her banker husband so this squatter lived next door illegally terrorized their family for months so this family moved in bought a new home and there was a squatter having like, you know, crackhead parties right in, you know, right next door to them. And they had asked him to like be quiet. They had asked him to like, you know, keep it down. You know, they have children, they, you know, they have young children in their home that were, when that they went were and being threatened. Viewed the home though. Remember Jojo was saying this on the second show that they should do a thing where you can stay in a, like if you're about to like go and rent out a place or buy it, you should go and stay there overnight. There should be a system for this. Isn't it like the estate agent's fucking duty to be like, oh, and by the way, there's crackheads next door? 
Well, he wasn't there when they moved in. So they moved into their oh, dream home. Oh, right, right. Sorry. And I lived there. They, he moved, they moved in, then he, he was already there. He lived, no, me. they moved in there, and they lived there for about a year. Melina, Melina and Miles Armstead. They had four children, including his stepdaughter. And his wife was pregnant at the time. And, yeah, about a year after they moved there, maybe 11 months, a squatter, homeless man named Jamal Thomas, moved in next door illegally and began a relentless campaign of terror and harassment against the family. I mean, he would break into their house. He would throw stones and bricks through their window, even injuring the uh, pregnant mom who got hit by a brick while she was sitting there watching TV in her living room. Holy shit. Yeah. What was she watching? (laughs) I don't know. She she watching like Maury? It's irrelevant. Girls? It's irrelevant to the story, so they didn't report that. (laughs) Um, it just said she was in her living room watching TV. So in less yeah, but than like six months. If she's months, watching telly in the daytime, I need to know what the fuck she's watching. It in doesn't the specify if it was daytime. Down. It doesn't specify if it was daytime. Okay. It might be nighttime. Okay, we'll go in nighttime. <laughs> are there Unsolved any other, mysteries. Are there any other irrelevant details you'd like to know? Like what kind of slippers was she wearing? Um, was she? Did she have a snack? Would yeah, be do, my do next you question. Know what she was eating? And, because that's extremely uh, relevant to the story. Yeah, it is. I'd like to know what snack she had. And, like, did she have a drink on the go? Like, yeah, what was she eating and imbibing? And what well, telly show is she watching? The this, new series of Fargo. This reporter neglected to, to mention any of those irrelevant <laughs> details in the story. So Bad journalist. Yeah, Bad journalist. You don't know. At, at Less than six story. months, the family called police 23 times. 23 times in six months. And when Oakland police officers arrived, they were like, we're understaffed and sorry, this isn't really high priority. The guy lives next door. So sorry. (laughs) So it got so bad that they ended up uh, having to move. They boarded up their home and they were moving. And uh, that Jamal Thomas kept saying, I'm going to burn your home down with your family inside. Just some crazy crackhead that moved into the, the abandoned house next door. Why does door. Jamal hate them so much? I'd be like, Jamal, what have we ever done to you? I think the guy told you, me... Just because you've got the name of an Aladdin villain doesn't mean you can be a villain, Jamal. I think the guy told him to like quiet down one time. and Oh, and then from then it was a personal vendetta. A personal okay. vendetta, yeah. So then uh, you know, they eventually received a restraining order after he started threatening to burn the house down. And so in... Uh, yeah, March 2020, the, uh, the, the husband was like cleaning up the front yard of his house because they had sold the house and they were like cleaning it up in, oh, in no. order to, uh, for the new tenants when uh, Jamal Thomas just walked up to him and shot him in the face. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Jamal is a fucking bad egg, a terrible well, person. The wife's suing the city. Um, she but, should. Yeah, no one really knows what's happen- what happened with that yet. A couple other stories here. A New York woman said her late mother's caretaker is now squatting in the Upper East Side apartment. So this this woman in New York said she hired live-in help to care for her elderly mother who died two years ago. And the caretaker has just been living in the dead lady's apartment ever since and refuses to leave. Is is the caretaker called Dolores Claiborne? This seems very, this seems just like Dolores Claiborne. So this woman what? lived on yeah. the Upper East Side, rent-controlled apartment. The woman is 103 years old. How long do you think she's lived in this fucking apartment? Probably since the 1920s. No, not that long. But she's lived there since like the 50s. So Wouldn't how you much be like, rent could she be paying? 
Oh, like $20 a month. Yeah, like 100 bucks. <laughs> when I moved in here, it was 20 cents. 20 cents a week. So the, the daughter talked. hired a woman named Tatiana Abelo to uh, move in 2016 to care for her mother. Uh, the daughter said she allowed the caregiver's mother and sister to move in as well. Everything seemed totally fine. The mother really liked the caretaker, and the feeling was mutual. Like, they were, they were good friends until the mother died. And the women were like, we're not leaving. And the daughter's like, no, you have to leave. And they're like, you know what? Keep threatening us, and we're going to flush your mom's ashes down the toilet. <gasps> oh, right. That, that suddenly took a turn for the dark side. But I thought it was going to be a case of, you know what? You were never there for your mother. And in her final hours, who was there for your mother? We were, and your mother said that we could have this apartment because you were never there for it. That's well, the stance I would have taken. They are claiming the mother said that they could have the apartment, but they won't even give the ashes back. And the daughter said, oh, if they had cold. thrown my mother down the toilet, I wouldn't be able to get her. That would be the end. She said, breaking down in tears. <laughs> Is that your hoity-toity New York socialite accent? You know, the uh, she's she's fighting right now to get the woman evicted, but... You know, they claim that they're lawfully occupying the home because they have succession rights to the apartment on the Upper East Side. I mean, this apartment probably goes for $4,500 a month. And I bet it's a total time capsule as well. I bet she hasn't updated it in years, and it's just probably like a vintage haven. And this is now going to be my new life plan plan in L.A. (laughs) I'm going to find a 103-year-old dude, and I'm going to go and be his caretaker. Why a dude? Why Why not a woman? I get on better with the men's, especially the dying men's. I'd be yeah, like, you're, you're really good friends with that pensioner across the street. Don't you sponge bathe them I sometimes? Am. No. I thought you said <laughs> you did that one time. You played no, like. No, we talk about. Oh, wait a second. Is, I thought you guys played turning. Battleship or something, and you were playing Battleship with him, <laughs> and you gave him a little. <laughs> you sunk his Battleship. <laughs> Uh, we don't play that version of Battleship. We mainly talk about World War II. I go over there to talk about World War II with someone who'll listen to me. <laughs> I thought you said he was like smelly and you're like, you smell bad. And then you gave him a bath. Am I making this very up? very insulting. You're, you're wishing this up out of nowhere. This I don't, is like I a have lucid a photographic dream I would have memory. about Sylvester Stallone. I have a photographic memory, and this sounds really familiar, uh-huh. but maybe not. Anyway, last story here. An Oregon <laughs> couple did the same thing in Central Park. They moved into a million-dollar pad after the tenant died and refused this to leave. This is a film. Yeah. Well, I think it happens very often. So this pair of alleged squatters from Oregon commandeered a two-bedroom rent-controlled um, condo Worth a million dollars up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan after the longtime tenant died. So Sheila Upjohn, she's 72 years old. She's from Salem, Oregon. Um, she's been living there since the 98-year-old resident died. She, she wasn't related, but she said that the two women were really close and that for, she had been caring for her for the last two years up until her death. She took her out of the nursing home during COVID. She took care of her like she was her mother. Very similar to Dolores Claiborne. Dolores Claiborne, yeah. yeah. Getting those vibes. Also, I didn't know there was a Salem, Oregon, and there's a Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, is it Salem, Massachusetts. Yep. Is that what the other one is? The witches? Salem is in Massachusetts, the witch. Yeah, that's where the witches are. Which one came Another first Oregon. then? Uh, oh, it obviously would have been Massachusetts. Yeah, definitely. yeah. So did they just rebuild Salem in Oregon because they were like, we're not going to burn witches here? No, it's just another town. 
Okay. There's a lot of towns like Springfield. There's a Springfield in almost every state. Oh, yeah, I suppose it's like yeah. fucking God. America is just <laughs> just like the ADHD kid of Britain, aren't you? It's like we could name these like really cool places like Hope, Eureka. Nah, just like call it Springfield or like Kansas City. It's all right if there's another well, one. Kansas People City, won't there's get two, confused. Yeah. Well, there's there's yeah, definitely exactly. a lot of repetition. So yeah. a former resident of the building that li- who lived next door to the old, older woman who died um said you know yeah they lived on and off with her since like 97 you know it's a real thing it's not like they moved in you know the last year of this old lady's life like that other that other caretaker they've been living with her since 97 you know this, right. this this couple so they were really close i mean this is a this is more like a Dolores Claiborne situation people yeah. you should check out the movie if you haven't so the woman, the 98-year-old lady who died, described Upjohn, her caretaker, as her close friend in her will. She gave her her furniture, her paintings, her jewelry, and her household goods. But weeks after the, the death, Upjohn sent the landlord a letter claiming she was entitled to succeed the residency in the apartment. The landlord's like, fuck you. Like, I'm, no, you're getting booted, and I'm going to get some money for this fucking place. It's worth over a million dollars. Yeah, finally, I'm going to get some real rent for this place. Well, she moved her husband in, who's a disbarred organ attorney. Not quite sure what happened nice. there. But they, she moved her couple. in, and the couple's been living there without any right to do so, claims the landlord. But they're claiming Fuck that the they, landlords. they claim that they have the right of succession. So They do. To Numa, who had no spouse or kids, this is the 98-year-old lady, she lived in the apartment since the 60s, and she was just paying $1,500 a month in rent for like a fucking three-bedroom apartment, Upper West Side, Manhattan. Yeah, but I wonder what she was paying in the 60s. I think it just went up to, yeah, who knows, probably less, Gradually. way less than that. Yeah, So the yeah. landlord has demanded that the Upjohns fork over $3,800 every month now. Like, he's, he's not even lifting it to market value. But he wants them to uh, to move every month since they've lived there. So now that's like two years of back rent pay or move right, out. I see. But now uh, now they're in a lawsuit because they're claiming that they have succession rights. It's a sticky I situation. I hope they do, and I hope they win. You know, yeah, fuck I a lot of landlords too. like this. Because how much money must he already be fucking making? To own a building in Manhattan? A ridiculous exactly. amount of money. Exactly, and he's just trying to fork out every penny out of them. And I'd be like, do you know what? They, this is a couple in their seventies. How much longer are they going to actually be in that place? And then <laughs> I can start making fucking the big bucks off it. I know, but who knows? This is family. He's like, he wants. He could be making what an extra like twenty five hundred bucks a month on this unit. Fuck him. Yeah, I know it is tough. But if you think about all this. I don't have the character to be a serial squatter, but if I did, it's a great way to save money. I mean, you don't have to pay any rent. I think it's also a great way to see the world, especially if you did the Airbnb. I mean, you could go from town to town doing that. If you're like in your early 20s, don't have any obligations to anything, fuck it. And you've got a bit of money in your pocket. You could work odd jobs. I wonder how that that would work with Airbnb. I think you'd have to like have enough money to pay for it for 30 days. And then just not move out. But I wonder if you could like get an Airbnb for two weeks and be like, yeah, I'm not leaving. Yeah, that, I think you would have to research it, but it would be a cool 
a cool way to go and see loads of shithole towns in America for sure. Or around the world, because there are being yeah. around the world. So I wonder if you moved. I guess you'd have to. You'd have to educate yourself on squatters' rights and tenancy laws, and like like Paris, for example. I don't know what it would be there, but maybe Paris is like really lenient squatters' laws. So then you could Airbnb for two weeks, change one bill to your name on the property, and, and then now you're a tenant and you don't have to leave. So it's a good way to live to live rent free. I mean, if you think about it, what is America if not some giant squat on someone else's land? Oh, here we go. What is Israel? (laughs) (laughs) You had to bring it up, didn't you? I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Obviously, we do not condone squatting here on this program. We definitely don't. But if you're willing to do it. Just make sure you play your cards right. People, this is episode 899 here at Sick and Wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys since both of my wives died and my look Eric's disease got pretty bad let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring but thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code diddle d-i-d-d-l-e I'm now a new man. Thanks. So we got a couple phone calls here to get to. 323-522-4032 is the number of the Sick Wrong Hotline. You could also email us, sickwrongpodcast at gmail.com. Just send us an MP3. We'll play it here on the show. Try to keep it under three minutes, though. Uh, the first call we have here is, this is interesting. So it's a couple that plays a very similar version to the game that we play. <gasps> I love it. Okay. Your subject about what people watching and making it into a game and a contest. My wife and I do the same thing, and we've been doing this for years. Uh, some of the games, yours are good, though. I'm going to use one of yours. But anyhow, <laughs> some of the games we play is first date. When you're obvious that the couple sitting next to you is on their first date, you got to guess the platform that they met each other on. And okay. you, that's, that's actually a pretty good twist. I never thought about doing that, but we, we do first date. Like we, the one thing we do too, first date, but also the age disparity in dating. Like when a girl's out with her that's daddy, points. well, yeah, if a girl's out with her sugar daddy, especially in like Las Vegas, you can see this, that's points. Like a 24 year old girl, obviously not with her dad, but with her daddy, who's like in his sixties. Yeah, because we saw that couple at the Golden, uh, the Golden the Steer. Golden Steer. But we also will invent backstories for people, and will follow specific people. I've also done that with my exes, where if you're on holiday, especially, say if you're on holiday, you're not really doing much. Say if you're just walking around the town, you'll maybe pick another couple and you'll just follow them as far as you can the whole time, inventing a backstory. What, it's wait, kind wait. of stalkery. So you stalk other couples do you do anything when you finally catch up to them no usually it'll get to a point where 
either you'll get hungry or you'll want a drink or they go away and you can't find them anymore. But then you just pick another couple. But we've invented backstories for people. We do that. It's a very creepy extension of the game, Kate Rambo. You can tell the ones from Plenty of Fish because you can smell the desperation in the air. <laughs> uh, the other one is the, uh, we call them Q-tips in, in this part of the Midwest. But it's the uh, white hair and white sneakers on a big old Harley Davidson, usually the retired couple. Uh, and, you know, the white hair, white white sneakers, looks like a Q-tip in the center of it. Looks like it's been on the roller grill, the Circle K, you know, all tanned and burnt. Anyhow, with- I do like that, the Q-tip. I don't think we'd see that here, but you probably would in, like, Arizona or Texas. That's definitely – but if we saw – I think if we saw a Q-tip in L.A. who'd just done Route 66, you know, this is a couple who's just retired, and they've – you know, from the Midwest, they've and they've driven from New York – yeah, on their Harleys to L.A. and we saw Q-tips. Oh, my God, that's massive points. And we'd have to take a picture and this guy would be You know, I had lunch interested. the other day with P-Town and his parents are Q-tips. Like the, they're retired. I think the dad's been retired Whitehead. for like four or five years. It's also crazy MAGA now. But, um, but the, he bought this huge Harley. Like P-Town said he was back in Florida. He was like, this Harley's massive. And yeah, he and the the mom, they're both very old. They're probably in their, what, six, no, they're probably like early 70s. They cruise around in the Harley now. It's hilarious. I couldn't imagine the rabbi doing that. (laughs) Well, Sons of Anarchy cosplays they're wearing. (laughs) You got the possible five out of five points, and it's the number of items of clothing that they're wearing that says Harley Davidson on it. And to get the full five points, oh you've God. got to somehow identify that they're wearing Harley Davidson underwear. <laughs> that's what that's what uh, Pete was saying. His dad is like outfitted in Harley gear, because the only people that can afford a Harley Davidson is like a retiree. You know, those bikes are so expensive. I mean, but, even like the gang members who fucking drive Harleys nowadays are like just saddos. If you follow Outlaw Archives, he always puts up lots of funny shit about them in his stories. <laughs> but just like, yeah, you're not in a biker gang driving Harleys anymore. No. It's just kind of gay. Usually it goes about four out, of, four out of five. We don't really get that far. The other one uh, is when we see the goth kids or the ones that are trying to be goth. It has to do with putting a dollar value on them. You know, you see the uh, the adorable little ginger guy, and you know he's trying to look tough. So the game is, how much would you have to spend at Hot Topic to make this person look unapproachable? And that one, We're that one's pretty this. cool because it's like you know, you see you see the little the little I don't know, maybe the hundred pound farm girl. Looks like, you know, she couldn't can to save her soul. And you look at that and it's going to be like, it's going to be close to $346 (laughs) to make her look tough. Yeah. And then, you know, you see the one like the kid that used to live next door to me. Uh, That one was about $1.79. Oh. Maybe just a button. (laughs) But anyhow, yeah, those are a couple of the games. That's kind of funny. We do something similar. Like one thing that we like to do is if you're at like Fisherman's Wharf, for example, and you see the... 16-year-old gothed-out kid that just hates to be there with her family but has no choice. And she's just like, looks like she... But looks like she'd prefer suicide than walking around Fisherman's Wharf with her parents. Yeah, I was definitely saw some of them. But I, I like this. This is definitely a game we're going to start doing as well on the side, is how much, how much money would you have to spend in Hot Topic to make that kid a goth? 
Well, also if you to go make like, the kid unapproachable. Because you can be like a teen goth. And you're like, oh, that cute little teen goth. But to make them unapproachable, that's going to take some cash. Unapproachable, though, I would I would say is body modification and tattoos. Yeah, so then mods, you're into definitely. the thousands. But I would just rather go for like Molgoth to turn like Timmy into a Molgoth. How much money on Hot Topic are we talking? I do think it's funny, though, just to play like check out the Molgoth. Like, if you find the best Molgoth. Love Mol- Molgoth is always points. Yeah. Definitely. You definitely get points. And for it that. can't be a TikTok, like, you know, I'm doing this because it's fashion. It has to be like some, like what I looked like at 16 is what I'm looking for. Somebody who is really a goth and is going to keep it for life. But my favorite is to see the angst ridden teen with their family being forced to go on a family vacation. And then having girls. to go to like a real touristy area like Fisherman's Wharf. Fisherman's Wharf. And just hating and every girls. second of it. Oh, it's girls usually. See, yeah, because yeah, well, when you see a boy, you're just like, oh, that's an incel. But you do get points for incels because I'm you, you very good at spotting incels. the Elliot Rogers. I'm very, I think that's one of my strengths is finding the Elliot Rogers. Uh, incels totally count. The, the wife and I play when people watching, rating people. Uh, rating people or judging people. I wonder what people think about. Anyhow. This is Tommy in Cleveland. Just throw, gotta throw that in there. I can't wait till you get moved over here, Kate. We may have to send out gifts or something. Aww. Bye. Tommy does rule. You know, I'm not surprised. I know there's a lot of people that play a similar game like that because people watching is fun. But I think it's better to put like some kind of like, you know, numerical value to it. Oh, definitely. No, you make it into a game because there has to be an overall, there has to be like an end goal for you. And yeah, Tommy, we're definitely going to be coming out to Cleveland uh, at oh, some point. Oh, for sure. We're going to be drinking. I'm very, like, Tommy also, him and his wife go to the best flea markets and get the best finds. So we're going to go out there, Dean, and we're going to take a lot of empty suitcase space. You can find some really good Goodwills, like the thrift stores and like places in oh, Ohio. Oh, and you'll know all the spots. Yeah, you yeah. definitely can. You can score there. Well, thank you, Tommy. You, Tommy. Uh, you've given awesome. us some ideas. Uh, next <laughs> call we have here, Epic Farter. Calls in about a death Oh, at my work. God. Oh, dear Kate. Epic Farter here again. So, yeah, I said I'd ring back with a death at work story. So, I used to work at this company um, where I would go in a shirt and tie and uh, oh. a briefcase, it was that long ago, it was back in the 90s and we used to have a good laugh there. But the- Yeah, I bet you he ripped them in the elevator, guaranteed. <laughs> and everyone like knew you. it was him. <laughs> I worked with her a bit sort of dry and a bit boring. So there was a couple of maintenance guys. One of them had only had one arm, we used to call him the bandit, and the other one, had a serious bandit. stutter, like a stutter like you've never heard before. You you had to keep finishing his sentences and stuff, and it was quite funny. Have you ever worked with a stutter, like a stutterer? I've actually known a few stutterers, and I must say they've all been men, and they've all been absolute fucking sweethearts as well. I don't think I've ever met a female stutterer. No, they've all all been men, the ones I've known, but they've all just been like... I don't know if it's like part of you, like as a female, if it's, you know, it makes you more endearing because it's like, oh, it's like a bird of a bo- broken wing. Kind but, of. Yeah, I there's have just very something kind patience. of cute about it. I have yeah. very little patience. It annoys the shit out of me. It's just like, just get the fucking word out. Like we got places to be. <laughs> I got money to make, okay? I just, it really. One of the stutterers really I knew me. as well told 
just the longest like he was one of those people who was a storyteller and his he you could condense his 20 minute story into two minutes and we used to do it all the time Uh, like we'd take the piss out of him at the end so we'd be like so you did this and did that and that's how it ends and he'd be like i i i i guess (laughs) why don't you tell it like that did it take so long because he's stuttering or because he was just telling too many details Telling too many details, he's a storyteller, and he'd also get distracted. And as he was getting distracted, and he'd be looking at other stuff, he'd be stuttering about the other stuff. <laughs> but we, it, when you showered at him and said, like, Get back to the story, he would get back to the story, and it was all good. But like, he was a, such a sweetheart, you could never hate him. I remember my father, there's a congregant in, in Bay City named Sam Schulman, he was an older man. Love, people love talking to the rabbi anyway, because it makes him feel better. Um, especially the brown nosers. But this Sam Schulman is an older man, retired, loved talking to my dad. And my dad was just like, it was funny because you'd be walking and be like, (laughs) he'd be walking and he'd see him and be like, hide. And he'd like push me into like a, like a unused classroom, you know, an empty classroom. We just wait until, and he would look out the window, wait until Sam Schulman goes by. I was just like, what? It's like, why why don't, what do you, why don't you want to see him? Do you owe money or something? He's just like, no, he'll talk forever. And like sometimes he, my dad would just get cornered, and Sam Schulman be like, "Rabbi, I, 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 like he had one of those things where he couldn't get the word out, and my dad would just be like, "Yes, yeah." You could tell he hated it, but he had to. He's just like, in in your sermon, my dad's just like, "Ah, just hating every second." But he can't get mad. He'd be like, "I'm, you know, I'm in a hurry, got to go to the hospital. People are dying," and like the guy would be like. One more second, Rabbi. So it got to the point where my dad would be like, if we're, you know, we'd be carrying his books and stuff, you know, the fucking Humash and all the other books that my dad would have to the car, and he'd see Sam Schulman, who would start be like, Rabbi, and my dad would be like, get in the car. And he'd like jump in the car and just like <laughs> peel out of there. <laughs> That's very Rabbi of him, I must say. You well, know? I mean, like, this is a I member totally, of your congregation. I feel the same way, though. Like there's an executive at my work. He's like obviously like a VP or something. But he doesn't stutter, but he's got this voice where it's like it's like he loses his breath while he's speaking. So it's just like Is he like Howard Hughes's age or something? Because he's like hundred. No, he's probably in his fifties, maybe late fifties. Oh. I don't understand. It's like he can't get a whole sentence out without losing his breath. Maybe I'll see that's quite endearing. Kind of, but it's just—it's just really awkward. You can't laugh, obviously, because he's a VP. I but he'll be like, you know, do you have the DPS report? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's—I like, suppose it's—it's it's a vocal fry, that isn't it? I don't know what it is. It's like—is that like the opposite to a vocal fry? Well, he'll see you and be like, "Hey, D, I'd like to ask you a question." <laughs> like Steel <laughs> almost does it. You're like, okay, Casper. Well, Casper it's the it's like the girl. voice just starts, like he has to force out the words. That's what I'm saying. So a vocal fry is when you get really high pitched and like, yeah, you fry out your voice like Steel when he's very passionate about yeah. a subject. So, but this is the opposite. This is like a vocal die. It's like it, it's dying. Like it's the last yeah. gasping vocals. It's, I just try to avoid him if I can. And he was a little bit backwards. He used to cycle to work every day, cross country, where I live in Oxfordshire. And one day, apparently, he got clipped by a car on a bend in the road. And he was laid on the floor. The guy in the car stopped, got out, 
was trying to help him out and help him up and they both got hit by a massive truck and it obliterated them both. Jesus Christ. Um, and we heard about it that morning and it was fucking horrendous. Um, yeah, and he was greatly missed. He was a really nice guy. He was a good laugh and he knew he had a stutter so he used to play on it sometimes. But, but yeah, that's a pretty serious death. Not quite in the workplace, but it was somebody I worked with. But yeah, I thought I'd uh, give you that. It's slightly slick, slightly wrong. Love you guys. Bye-bye. That's oh, very sick and wrong. God, this, so this guy, not like his clipped by a car. He's fucked up, laying on the street. And then the guy who hit him, instead of just hit and run, like they would do in my country, they stopped to see <laughs> if he's okay. And then a truck just nailed them both. That's kind of karma, though, isn't it? That well, guy karma for the he guy that hit more attention. the dude. That's what I mean. He should have been but the paying other more dude... attention. But then it just... The other guy might have been like a you know a dying deer, and it's like they couldn't have saved him anyways. So it was like Lady Death was like, just take him too. Yeah, just they killed him. both, and now they're both in the afterlife, being like, "Fuck you for hitting me." And the other guy I was used... like, "Well, fuck you for not getting up on your own." I was gonna say I used to work in like old men pubs, so I've had plenty of regulars die. I know like four regulars who have. Well, that doesn't died, count. They're just customers. I'm talking, sad. how many co-workers in the pub, though? Did you have any other bartenders that died? No, that, not that I know. I, apart from that one guy who killed himself with a crossbow, everyone I know has, uh, which is pretty gnarly way to kill yourself with a crossbow. Oh, yeah. No, that's terrible. But everyone else is, uh, is alive. I've only, I've only experienced it. I mean, I've worked in a workplace for a long time. I've only had it happen twice. Recently with that, that uh, um, tech support guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. And then... In the other place, which I wasn't there to see it, but the fat developer guy that just keeled over heart attack in his cube. <laughs> he was dead for like two hours before anyone realized. <laughs> He's just having a nap. That's, which he that's did. so America, because over here, everyone would be like, wake up, you fucking fuck. Do your job. It's like, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's terrible, Epic Fart. So, did you go to the funeral? Did they do a double funeral? Like the the guy that hit him plus the guy that died. Oh, wouldn't it? Right, wouldn't it be so cool if they cut holes in the casket and had them hold hands? <laughs> well, I don't think they were that close. Don't you well, think they, the families? They were buddies in death. But the families Ugh. might feud over this. Why? Why would you feud? I'd be like they because both, he hit they both your got it. he hit your stutter dad. Stutter dad could have been in the wrong, you know. Like Not we're all assuming that. We're all assuming that he was, like, crossing the road properly, but he could have been crossing the road properly. It doesn't matter, though. At least here, pedestrians and cyclists have the right of way. So even if you hit one, it's still your fault because you're a motorist. Aye, that's true. But he could have been coming out the pub half cut, and he didn't look properly. And then because he didn't look properly, he got run down, right? So it might not necessarily be. It's the motorist's responsibility to watch watch out for for pedestrians and cyclists, so... At least I mean, and the guy was points. the guy obviously actually hit him and, you know, pulled out to see if he was OK, pulled over and went out and helped him. It's just he didn't know that the truck was coming to destroy both of their lives. I wonder what food was on the truck or what the truck was. Getting. Yeah. What was the truck driver wearing? Did he have suspenders on? That's that's <laughs> relevant details I need to know. <laughs> People, you can call the Sigma hotline three, two, three, five, two, two, four, zero, three, two. Uh, once again, big ups to all the people that support us on Patreon. We do appreciate you helping us keep it sick and wrong every week. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also, I'm, I am in the process of making some more 
Tee Public shirts. So if you go to uh, stickaroundpodcast.com slash shop, click on that picture of the Pope, you can check out uh, some of the new designs I've been uploading. Finally, here's Sigarong Song of the Week. I wanted to find something that was like, like you know, appropriate for, for squatters. So I was looking up, uh, looking up songs, and the first one that came to mind, Let's Lynch the Landlord by the Dead Kennedys. Um, it's from their and it's album. Jello's birthday. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. Uh, Kay Rambo said, you know, it's actually Jello's birthday today. He's uh, 65 years old. He can retire. He probably won't, though. I don't think he will. He's a bit too autistic to ever retire. Do you know his real name is Eric Reed Boucher? Yeah. I think that's how you say it. But yeah, known professionally Boucher. as uh, Jello Biafra, was born June 17th, 1958. Um, so happy birthday there, Jello. We're going to play the song Let's Lynch the Landlord, Find Diddy off of uh, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables, came out in 1980. And uh, happy Daddy Day to all the daddies out there. It was really <laughs> funny. I work with this guy who is a daddy, and one of his, um, he's, you know, he's a father or whatever. One of his friends sent him a Tom of Finland picture. And oh, was, wow. It said Happy Daddy Day on it. I mean, he must found it on the internet. And so we were in a meeting, and he was sharing his screen, and it was cached on his browser. And I was just like, hey, Mike, what have you been looking at? <laughs> and he was, just, <laughs> everybody just started laughing. He was just like, you know, I, I can't get rid of the, I don't know how to get rid of the picture. He's like, it's a, and I didn't want to tell him to clear his browser cache because it was hilarious that he had the Tom of Finland picture. It wasn't like a pornographic picture, but it was definitely know, like it's, a it's leather Tom daddy of Finland. with like, yeah. you know, a big bulge. It just said, happy daddy day. <laughs> so, I love it. Well, I mean, it's just art at the end of the day. <laughs> my whole, my brother's apartment, it's all, well, I guess I've got him some stuff from Comic-Con, like Spider-Man and Wolverine shit and Batman. But the other pictures he has framed, all Tom of Finland. Tom of Finland. That was well, my brother's yeah. favorite artist. Anyway, happy Father's Day uh, to all the people who have kids. Um, we'll be back next week with episode 900. Can't even believe that. 900 episodes of this show. Till then, take it sleazy.
Steve, is this song called Deborah Cox? Absolutely not. I have no clue, but but every time we get in the car with Jeffrey, you just hear, oh, where are my men? It sounds really familiar, but they all sound like this. I mean, a lot of the music Jeff listens to sounds like this. What's the chorus? Wait, wait, yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I, it. I think that's it. Then. Did she say I wear my mini skirt when I go when to work? When I go to work. Uh, yeah, and that's the only thing that came up. That's got to be the song. It sounds just like it. Yeah, I didn't listen. Maybe it's in the. Wha- next if you if you ask Wackily right now to sing it, he would know. Well, at least that line. <laughs> Should we bring him at the end and ask him? A bit like I wear my mini skirt <laughs> when I go to work. <laughs> that would be a funny outtake. <laughs> All right. 